You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today's topic actually came from a uh, supporter of the show. Shout out to Sis Linda. Uh, I got your messages, Sis. Ooh, chow. The information you sent me, um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, we had talked about the company BlackRock. Actually, when it first came on radar a couple of years ago, we talked about the company BlackRock and we talked about how this company was going to be on the forefront of deciding things for a lot of companies, most of the companies in the U.S. that's even on down to who the CEOs would be, um, we went over a article uh, where some dudes were claiming that they were going to start hiring uh, minority CEOs and start replacing existing CEOs with minority CEOs. And uh, they went into how powerful the company is. So we've been tracking BlackRock for a couple years now. Uh, I at least two times featured BlackRock. So shout out to Sis Linda, uh, again, a supporter of the show for this information. So this podcast is literally about BlackRock is an oligarchy, okay? Uh, so just real quick to refresh folks' memory, what is a oligarchy? Now, we discussed this when we talked about Amazon, and so uh, oligarchy is a form of power structure in which power rests with a small number of people. These people may or may not be distinguished by one or, or several characters. I'm sorry, by one or several characteristics such as nobility, fame, wealth, education, or corporate, religious, political, or military control, okay? And so um, just to give you an idea of what an oligarchy is, all right? So we're going to go into what BlackRock is up to. Let's use a little bit of technology here. Okay, and if you want more information on uh, oligarchy, you can pick it up from Wikipedia. It gives you uh, examples of how oligarchies were used in the past from a government perspective. When we did the uh, Is Amazon an Oligarchy, uh, we talked about it uh, based on Amazon hitting the multi-trillion dollar mark, okay, which that particular type of revenue really rivals countries, okay? 
So child, wait till we get to BlackRock stuff. And again, thank you, Sis Linda. All right, so this is from ESG Today. NYSE to list new natural asset companies, asset class targeting massive opportunity in ecosystem services, right? So this was published sometime last month. The New York Stock Exchange announced the launch of a new asset class jointly developed with intrinsic exchange group for natural asset companies, sustainable enterprises that hold the rights to the ecosystem services produced by natural, working, or hybrid lands. The new NAC will be, so which is the natural asset companies, will be listed and traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Okay, so sustainable enterprises that hold the rights to ecosystem services produced by natural working or hybrid lands. Hmm. Kind of just reminds me back up in the day when these colonizations uh, societies put together by the kings them and that they appointed they boys them to run. <sighs> Sounds like the same thing, okay? But let's go on because we're gonna we're gonna see the players, and I know your um tinfoil hat antennas are going to rise. IEG's founding investors include the Inter-American Development Bank and Rockefeller Foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember when we uh, went over who the PESORs are, meaning that's an organization that, were, that was hired by the king the French king to come over to the Americas to set up companies and to pretty much manage the companies. And we're talking pretty much everything in America, every industry, the Paysors had their hand in, okay, as the ultimate owners, right? So the, the Paysor trustee of that trust slash holding company that all of the other major U.S. industries and companies rolled up to, they were the ones that hired the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, okay? So I just want you all to get an understanding of what we're saying, okay? So, a founding investors include the um, Inter-American Development Bank and Rockefeller Foundation. The NYSE has also taken a minority stake in the company. Okay, so just real quick, bear with me here, because that raised up another antenna. Uh, Okay, because I remember when uh, the NYC, NYSE was sold. 
Okay. All right. NYSE, nicknamed the Big Board, is an American stock exchange in a financial district in lower Manhattan in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that. Um, it's uh, of its listed companies, a $30.1 trillion as of Feb 2018. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blah, 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 blah. We know all of that. Uh, the NYSE is known by Intercontinental Exchange, an American holding company that also that is also list. Previous, it was part of Euronet, which was formed by the NYSE 2007 merger with Euronet. Okay. Um, all right, because I remember it being sold, but this was ooh, it was it was a while ago, back in two thousand and three, something like that. Um. Okay. All right, let me just go back. All right, we're not gonna go over that, so I apologize for that because I remember it been so. Maybe it was that two thousand and seven event that I was remembering, but I could have sworn it was um, back in 2003. Okay. Um, but you can kind of see the history here. Uh, so you could check out the history of it. Okay. But what I was trying to get at, and maybe uh, that's what I was thinking of, but I thought the date was earlier, but it was a foreign entity that owned uh, NYSE at one point, okay? Uh, but I thought it was earlier than that. Okay, I was right, okay? But I could have sworn it was earlier than that. So Euronet, next, is a pan-European exchange group operating stocks in Amsterdam, Brussels, Dublin, Lisbon, London, Milan, Oslo, and Paris, Paris, Paris. Okay? So y'all get what I'm saying here? I remember when that transaction happened, but I could have sworn it was earlier than 2007. I thought it was like, 2003, but okay. The New York Stock Exchange merged with Euronet, which Euronet covers these particular uh, stock exchanges. So the point I'm trying to make is all roads lead back to Europe and lead back to those same colonization companies. And you notice they have Amsterdam up in here. And this is one of the famous, the D Dutch East Indian Company. It's one of the famous corporations that were profiting from colonization, okay? So this is a perfect example of it still being the same. This is the same thing, family. 
tracing its origins back to the founding of Amsterdam Stock Exchange in 1602. Because remember, uh, Wall Street used to be called um, Amsterdam. But anyway, founding of the Amsterdam Stock Exchange in 1602 by the Dutch East Indian Company. Euronet was founded in 2000 by the merger of exchanges in Amsterdam. Patty, Patty, Patty. Remember Patty's, we're not Patty's, French. France, King Louis, I call him uh, King Pimp, uh, Louisius, with the way his hair was fried, dyed, laid to the side in them expensive outfits. Nonetheless, he was the one that hired the Pesos to run business over here in the United States which is why most of those comp most of the companies and industries roll up to that pursuers trust okay so the front names uh like the uh the Rothschilds the Rockefellers blah 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 they were hired by the pursuers so i'm just trying to show you the connection even the new york stock exchange Europe has a cut on it. And it's no accident to me that Amsterdam, Dublin, and Paris, Paris are involved with Euronet, which is uh, part owner of the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, all right? Okay, so sorry I had to divert, but it immediately popped in me. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, the NYSE is foreign owned. Okay, so I apologize. Let me go back. Founding investors include the Inter-American Development Bank and Rockefeller Foundation. The New York Stock Exchange has also taken a minority stake in the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. According to IEG, NAC, so the natural asset companies, enable natural asset owners to convert na uh, nature's childish child, clutch pearls. I'm clutching my pearls. Natural asset companies enable natural asset owners to convert nature's value into financial capital, providing additional resources necessary to power a sustainable future. So again, who are these said people? Who are these said owners of natural assets? Who are the said owners of natural assets? of planet Earth's assets that they're going to take and convert into nature's value, into financial capital. This has what's been happening all along. That is what 
colonization is all about. You come in, you take the people's land and resources and you capitalize off of them and a small group or oligarchy controls the assets and get the majority of the benefit from the assets, the natural assets, okay? If you go back and look at those original charters founded in the United States of America slash corporation by states that were issued by those European kings, you will see how they talk about they own the natural assets, even down to the fish in the sea. Hence why in many states today, you have to pay a fishing license, which I call a tax. The asset class was developed to enable exposure to opportunities created by the estimate 125 trillion annual global ecosystem service market encompassing areas such as carbon sequestration, biodiversity, and clean water. Oh, child. So this is them family gearing up to moving from an oil-based economy and that oil-based economy tied to a petrodollar shutting that particular financial system down and going to clean energy, digital currency, sustainable energy, okay? That's essentially what they are doing. So all of this new technology that they're bringing forward that they claim is new, but it's really not new. But nonetheless, they are setting the stage to control the natural assets, which they already were controlling the natural assets, but they're setting the stage to control the new technology that will use the natural assets. So hence, controlling the natural assets as well as the new technology they're claiming in order to make a um, clean, sustainable, natural environment. This is what they are doing, okay? All right, all right. So, as I said, is this little footnote, this new asset class on the New York Stock Exchange will create a virtuous cycle of investments in nature that will help finance sustainable development for communities, companies, and countries. Together, IEG and the New York Stock Exchange will enable investors to access natural stores 
natural store of wealth and transform our industrial economy into one that is more equitable. Okay, so they literally pretty much prove my point. They're just prettying it up that all they're doing is setting up the system to control the natural resources, meaning Mama Earth's natural resources that the technology will be using to, like, for example, uh, they said clean water up in here. So let's say uh, how we light our homes or, or whatever, that's going to change. A lot, a lot of stuff is going to change. Okay. In order to enable investors to value the ecosystem services generated by, I don't want to forget this name, natural asset companies, IEG has also developed an accounting framework to measure ecological performance to uh, complement GAAP financial statements and consultation with former FASB chairman Robert Hertz and leading accounting firms. So, Chow, it's already a done deal. They already factored in companies using uh, natural resources, and they're going to deem them natural asset companies. They've already factored it in into their accounting system. Okay? And how they're going to move existing companies that are still using an oil-based economy systems technology, I am going to assume they're going to tax them. Hence the term carbon tax. Okay, I know you all heard that during the Trump administration saying that uh, the Dems want to force a carbon tax on folks. I think this is uh, going to support that carbon tax. Okay. Now, let's be clear. We should not be using technology and things that are in harm to planet Earth. We always should have been using natural being in harmony with the planet. So using Mother Earth's resources in a natural way, a natural sustainable way, right? So for example, using the natural energy in the ether slash atmosphere. It's just one huge example, okay? Which that's what they were using in the past, okay? They're just bringing this stuff back around. And some say in the mud flood community, that the reason that they stopped using that technology and went to the tech that they have today because they wanted to tax the people, have the people pay for it, okay? 
The New York Stock Exchange stated that it will develop and seek SEC approval for a for unique listing requirements tailored to the natural asset companies and incorporating IEG's accounting methodology. IEG and the New York Stock Exchange would then begin to work with the natural asset companies to help prepare them for listing and trading as publicly held entities on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, so Stephen Cunningham, president of the New York Stock Exchange Group, said, with the introduction of natural asset companies, the New York Stock Exchange plans to provide investors an innovative mechanism to financially support the sustainability initiatives they deem critical to our future. Our work with Intrinsic Exchange Group is another example of the New York Stock Exchange tapping into our community to drive meaningful progress on ESG issues with a solution-based approach, okay? So I wanted to just give you all that, okay? Uh, shout out again to Sis uh, Linda for that information. Um, so this is just another article I pulled in New York Stock Exchange, new investment, natural asset company will tap into ESG fever. I'm um, just going to see how much of this we're going to read. Uh, this quote, there have, haven't historically been mechanisms to encourage the capital formation necessary to, to preserve and restore the natural assets that ultimately underpin the ability for there to be life on earth, okay? So just like I said, proving again that they're moving folks from the oil-based economy to more natural, okay? And they're gonna, uh, not only, they're doing it for two folds. Number one, the ultimate fold is, of course, to control any of the natural, the new natural resources going forward. But also, they're going to force other companies to come along. All right. The New York Stock Exchange has developed a new kind of listing vehicle that will be called natural asset companies. Using natural asset companies, governments, farmers, and other owners of natural assets will be able to form a specialized corporation that holds the rights to the ecosystem services produced on a given chunk of land. Services like carbon, sequestration or clean water, okay? Then the company will tap the U.S. public market by the way of the New York Stock Exchange like any other entity would. The difference is that instead of using the capital raised to shore up a balance sheet, fund uh, mergers and acquisitions, or buy back stocks down the road, the national asset companies will use the fund funds to help preserve a rainforest or undertake other conservation efforts like changing a farm's con conventional agricultural production practices to a regenerative methods. 
So shout out to all of my farmers. Uh, you are so much respected. Shout out to all of the gardeners. You're respected as well. Shout out to the gardeners that talked about sustainable gardening, that talked about food forests. Yeah, that, that crowd... We're way ahead of the game, okay? Because the the way they farm today is totally destructive to the environment. It strips the nutritionist value out of the food. So this is very interesting. So shout out to the gardeners, okay? Because the sustainable gardening and the food forest concept it came from gardeners. Not these big farmers. It came literally from gardeners that have been doing this stuff for years. Okay? I was even able to pick up the concepts. And there is no comparison of the yields that you get when you garden in harmony with nature. There's no comparison on how the food tastes when you grow in harmony with nature. Okay? So this, child, this is interesting. But let's keep in mind now, when you go back to, um, where's my Wikipedia? Dutch East Indian Company, back up in the 1602, they were getting a cut of agricultural, all of that. So this is no surprise to me with them forming the uh, natural asset company. It, it does not shock me. This is the reset family. This is part of the reset. I'm going to say that again. This is part of the reset family. The reset is going to be total different financial system, even different financially on how they make their profits. They're going back to natural slash sustainable using Mother Earth's natural energy, okay? That's what all of this thing is about, about electric vehicles, all of that. All of that is a part of the reset. And because the oligarchies, or whether or not you want to call them elite, whatever the case may be, work with esoteric, what folks are calling esoteric energy, they understand that we have moved from one age to another. We've moved from the Pisces age into the Aquarian age slash the Golden Age. 
So the way they do business has to change as well. The technology has to change as well. Okay? Make no mistake about it. This is a part of a reset. Let's keep going. In return, investors will get access to a new form of sustainable investment, a space that has enthralled the likes of, oh, what do we say? What do we say? What do we say, 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 say here? What do we say? BlackRock, CEO Larry Fink, over the past several years, even though there remains big unanswered questions. A 2020 report from the U.S. SIF Foundation, a nonprofit that advocates for the adoption of sustainable investing, found that one out of every $3 under professional management in the U.S. at the end of 2019 was managed with a sustainable asset, I'm sorry, sustainable investment strategy. So let me just read this again. One out of every $3 under professional management in the U.S. at the end of 2019 was managed with a sustainable investment strategy. So in other words, like I told y'all, these folks that sit at the heads of these companies as CEOs, they are hired to just manage the investments tied back to the European empire, the European nobility empire. They are given orders. This is part of the reset. The companies are getting ready to go into the new age from a financial perspective. And I'm just predicting, I'm just predicting that companies that are going to lag behind are going to be taxed out of existence. And either they'll be bought up by one of the big conglomerates, or they will just cease to exist because they cannot compete. Our hope is that owning a natural asset company is going to be a way that an increasingly broad range of investors have the ability to invest in something that's intrinsically valuable, but up to this point was really excluded from the financial markets. Mm-hmm. When public, and a natural asset company will be required to file financial statements in according with the U.S. accounting rules, just like any publicly traded company. Okay, we saw that in the other article. Um, so it's saying investors include the Inter-American Development Bank. We know the Rockefeller Foundation. Albador Ventures has also developed a framework to measure the ecological performance of a natural asset company to make up for any gaps in traditional metrics. 
Okay, and then they admit again, the NYSE has taken a minority stake. The companies did not disclose the investment terms, though. I know they didn't. The NYSE said the investment is not material to the exchange or capital al allocation plans of its parent company, International Exchange. So let's just refresh the memory. Who's an investor in uh, NYC? Euronet. What is Euronet made up of? Amsterdam, Brussels, Dublin, Lisbon, London, Milan, Oslo, Paddy, Paddy. What is the foundation of Euronet? Amsterdam Stock Exchange, 1602, by the Dutch East Indian Company. Okay? So you can go to the Dutch East Indian Company, and you can see how back up in the day, a group of investors who were really hired by the uh, kings and queens of uh, Europe as they went around colonizing the planet, taking resources from the indigenous folk on those lands, seizing the resources and hoarding all of the resources and wealth under this company. And this is just one example of one of the companies they formed to ultimately give the profits back to those European empires. And that was forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, ever. Okay. So I want you all always to be clear on what is going on. Always trace the money. And all roads are going to lead back to Europe with those colonizing empires. Okay? Now, uh, we talked about, I think we're pretty much done with this article. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, I did want to go over this part. So IEG has already managed to attract issuer interest from several corners of the natural asset market. It plans to announce a collaboration with a multinational corporation to form an NAS, natural asset company later this year, according to the statement. And IEG, in partnership with the Inter-American Development Bank, is currently in talk with the Costa Rican government about forming an NAC. Okay? I'm sure they're in talks with much, many more other governments to form NAC. Because remember, this the NAC is the new reset. All right? Now let's get on BlackRock. I know I had to go around the block up the corner <laughs> to get to this point. So let's get on um, BlackRock. 
because BlackRock is interested in it. All right. I check out their site. Uh, but it says an asset management asset manager focused on the long term. We will continue to ask the bigger questions at intersection of investing and society about how to push forward without leaving the people behind. Mm -hmm. About building bridges between society and shareholders and profits. I'm sorry, society and shareholders, the planet and profits. In service of the biggest question of them all. Okay. All right. So uh, everybody's got the sustainable stuff. We advance. We advance sustainable investing because our conviction is it delivers better outcome for our investors. As the world moves towards a net zero economy. How can we help investors prepare for the transition? Net zero economy, i.e. reset. Reset. Leaving from a petrodollar economy to digital currency economy using natural, sustainable resources. Right. Okay. So here's a shout out to brother David. He literally just sent me this information. I'm like, Oh my God, brother David, I was literally going to do a podcast on this. This is perfect. So this is from the hill black rock behemoth surges as almost 20% of households lose all their savings during the pandemic. Here we go. Volatile quarter, BlackRock is celebrating a more than 20% increase in assets and record high revenues. This chart shows net inflows of $75.31 billion, with assets being just shy of $10 trillion. To give a sense of the scope, BlackRock's assets amount to 50 times more than the fortunes of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. And as BlackRock buys up America's homes for top dollar rent, almost 20% of U.S. households lost their entire savings during COVID. Almost a third of those making less than $50,000 annually, which had devastating impacts on black and Latino households. The Daily Poster highlighted the stark disparity between headlines, but more broadly, it shows how different classes have experienced the pandemic. So yeah, it's been uh, pretty good for pretty good for BlackRock. And w- while one in five people, you know, lost what savings they had, and we know that heading into the pandemic, uh, almost half of Americans had no sa- had no significant savings to speak of. So you know, you know, in, in order to uh, you know, to, you add on top of that, one in five people losing what they what they what they did have, while at the same time you had savings rates. Uh, explode for a lot of people, people who, you know, whose, whose income kept coming in and who no longer were spending money on, you know, going out to eat, uh, vacationing, uh, and they watched their 401ks go up. You, you really had a, a, a tale of, you know, different, different lives throughout this pandemic. Well, BlackRock, the big problem with them is they're, for one, they're on track, I believe, in the next couple of quarters to have their uh, they're going to be uh, managing $10 trillion. I mean, could you imagine this? This is more than most, 
I think every single other country even has in their banks minus the United States and China. Bingo. Sounds like an oligarchy to me. Great job, The Hill. Great reporting, The Hill. Let's continue. Um, so BlackRock is massive. Elizabeth Warren is wanting them to be labeled essentially too big to fail, saying that if these guys go under, could you just imagine? I mean, this would be 10 times worse than what happened in 2008. And talking about people not having savings, people would lose their retirements. They would lose a lot of what they have if BlackRock were to go under. So she's trying to get them to be labeled as too big to fail. Um, but the bigger problem with BlackRock, I think the overall why we should be sort of shining the light on them and the amount of wealth that they're able to that, that they're managing is that they're operating essentially as a shadow bank or even sort of a fourth branch of government. They own shares, at least 5% of shares, if not more, in every single major American corporation. So that means, you know, when you own 5% of a corporation or more, you're able to pick up the phone and call the CEO pretty much at will. And that means that they have an enormous amount of influence. Uh, obviously, the, the various companies that they're invested in have what seems to be conflicts of interest, you know, maybe you've got one that's wanting to do more for climate, but BlackRock also, and, and they're invested in that company, but they're also heavily invested in, let's say, um, the oil and gas industry, which they are. So, you know, you've got this sort of, they're working for every, everybody's under their umbrella. They're wanting everybody to succeed because obviously they're a company that's trying to just make money. And so this kind of calls into question who's really running the world, yeah, you I know. I, is it we the people or is it BlackRock who owns a bunch of. Um, again, great reporting, The Hill. Uh, great job. Yeah, who is really running the world? Okay. Who's really behind BlackRock? Who really put that particular corporation together? Now, this is just me. My conspiracy theorist with the tinfoil hat on, I am saying that BlackRock more than likely was stood up by the European nobility empires, that that company was stood up to control the next phase, i.e. the reset of the new economy. Okay, but great, great job, The Heal. ...of shares in every single corporation in, in America and many around the world. Right, and, and, and what kind of power that buys them is probably the thing to be concerned. Look, I'm, I'm never really... I, I, I frankly don't care that much when just people making money, companies making money, good for them, that's fine. A lot of them, a lot of companies make money by providing us things we want. So the pandemic was horrible for us, but... Amazon made it easier. Uh, the tech companies made it easier, so they made profits. Oh, well, that's how the world works. That's how capitalism works. Uh, but in this case, it, the, you know, the issue is, well, what, what kind of political power do they have because they have such a kind of vast, um, tied-up uh, financial interest stakes in so many companies, right? What can they tell them to do? What can they tell, you know, what can they tell Congress to do? And so that's, that's the reason I think to be concerned, which, which was what you were highlighting, Kim. Right. And the amount of political power that they have is, is, uh, demonstrated by the fact that they have not yet been labeled as, to, as too big to fail as, as they right. should be. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, 
executives from BlackRock go in and out of both administrations, including the including the Biden administration. So, you know, the this, this it, it does raise the question of of where the power center is. But does a too big to be fail uh, too big to be fail too big to fail designation? mean that it, I, I'm actually not sure it's it, it, it was Warren trying to say that well we need then to we would protect them if they went under or something because they would be too regulated. catastrophic because that would, would be, be regulated right yeah, yeah. It's a I don't want to be on the I don't want to be on the hook for their you know bailing them right. out or but something. Her, her argument is you are on the hook that yeah. like they right. can't go under like they just right. can't 10 trillion dollars like that's like saying like the the tre- you know the treasury market mm-hmm. just just not going to fail it just can't, it just can't be allowed to fail and if you acknowledge that it can't be allowed to fail then there are responsibilities that BlackRock has to meet when it comes to capital requirements and like Kim said re- regulation that currently they don't get so they so they get the the implicit guarantee that the United States taxpayer uh, that the United States is going to to bail them out if they fail but they but they don't have the responsibility that that comes exactly. with the the explicit. Uh, guarantee, which so so Citigroup and others, mm-hmm. you know, we've said, okay, look, yeah, okay, we didn't break you up, we're going to bail you out, but you have to. These are the capital requirements you have to have. This is taxes you have to pay. These are regulations that you have to abide by. That's 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 the ridiculous and, and imperfect bargain that we that we're at at this point. But BlackRock doesn't even have to be part of that. But yeah. but uh, Warren and Kim are right that they. Okay. All right. So I want to catch it before. I don't know if that music is copyrightable. So again, uh, thank you, Brother David, for sending this. Really, really, it was right on perfect, perfect timing. Uh, This is from The Hill. Um, Shout out to you. Um, Excellent, excellent work on this. BlackRock behemoth surges as almost 20% of households lose all of their savings during the pandemic. Okay, so let's just jump over uh, to BlackRock right quick. I've gone over this before, but just to be sure, uh, to make the fam aware, BlackRock Inc. is an American multinational investment management corporation based in New York City. Founded in 1988 initially as a risk management and fixed income institutional asset manager, BlackRock is the world's largest asset management with just over $9 trillion, and now it's up to $10 trillion in assets under management as of July 2021. Okay, so that's an oligarchy. BlackRock operates globally with 70 offices in 30 countries and clients in 100 companies. BlackRock was founded by Larry Fink, Robert S. Capito, Susan Wagner, Barbara Novak, Ben Golob, uh, Hugh Frater, uh, Ralph Shoshlinstein, and Keith Anderson to provide institutional clients with asset management services from a risk management perspective. Okay, Fink, Caputo, Gulov, and Novik have worked together at First Boston. Okay. Where Fink and his teams were pioneers in in the what? Mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities is a type of asset 
backed security, which is secured by a mortgage or collection of mortgage mortgages. The mortgages are aggregated and sold to a group of in individuals and securitized or packaged the loans together into a security. Mortgage-backed securities, you should, that should ring a bell. From the 2008 housing crash, all right, where they were packaging up those mortgages and selling them on the stock market. So these dudes were the pioneers. Y'all catching that connection? The the BlackRock founders were the pioneers of mortgage-backed securities. The same mortgage-backed securities was the reason that along with the lending practices of cheap money going around caused the market to crash. The 2008 market to crash, which they had to be bailed out because of what? They were too big to fail. Y'all remember all of that? Where the banks were bailed out because they were too big to fail? Let's continue. During Fink's tenure, he had lost $100 million as the head of First Boston. Now, see, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all and how your career is set up. But I don't think that I would be able to cost the company this amount of money and then turn around and be one of the top dogs, the top dog for another company that manages $10 trillion in assets. Where they do that at? Let's continue. That experience was motivation to develop what he and others considered to be excellent risk management and fiduciary practices. Okay, then. You mean those same practices that they created with mortgage-backed securities? Now, I can't say that they was responsible for the derivatives because the derivatives is where they were basically betting on mortgage-backed securities failing, which was based on the housing market and people making their payments. But let's continue. Initially, Fink sought uh, capital for initial, initial operating capital from Pete Peterson of the Blackstone Group, who believed in Fink's vision of a firm devoted to risk management. So you trying to convince moi, you're trying to convince moi that Pete trusted Fink, who had fumbled a hundred million at first Boston for a new risk management company when he couldn't even manage the risk of a hundred million ventures. 
The point I am making with my sarcasm is this is proof that these folks put in these positions as head of these organizations are put there. They are the hired help. They are given orders. Let's continue. Peterson called it Blackstone Financial Management in exchange for a 50% stake in the bond business. Initially, Blackstone gave Fink and his team 5 million credit line. Within months, the business had turned profitable and by 1989, the group's asset had quadrupled to $2.7 billion. So they're going to convince us that he was so brilliant, he took this $5 million and he turned it into $2.7 billion. That's what you're going to try to convince us. But he had just Lost a hundred million. Oh, okay, man. The percentage of stake owned by Black Blackstone also fell to forty percent compared to Fink's staff. Okay. All right. So um, I'm just gonna jump down to this part. Let me just see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see if I want to do anything up there. Okay. So they bought up. Um, in 1994, Blackstone sold a mortgage security unit with $23 billion in assets to PNC for $240 uh, million. The unit had traded mortgages and other fixed income assets, and during the sale process, the unit changed its name from Blackstone Financial Management to BlackRock Financial Management. All right, so and in the meantime... Um, Schwartzman remained with Blackstone, while Fink, Fink went on to become CEO of BlackRock. All right, so let's look at 1999 to 2009. BlackRock went public in 1999 at $14 a share on the New York Stock Exchange. By the end of 1999, BlackRock was managing $165 billion in assets. So from 1999 to 2021, now they're up to $10 trillion in managing assets. They went from $165 billion in 1999 to today, managing $10 trillion in assets. BlackRock grew both organically and by acquisition. In August 2004, BlackRock made its first acquisition buying State Street Research and Management Holding Company. Okay. All right. Uh, holding company SSRM from MetLife for $325 million in cash and $50 million in stock. The acquisition raised BlackRock's asset management from uh, $314 billion to $325 billion. So 
as of 2014, they were at 325 billion. They went from 325 billion in 2004 to 2021, 10 trillion. The deal included the mutual based, the mutual fund business, State Street Research Management, BlackRock merged with Merrill Lynch management in 2006. I hope you all are seeing the patterns here. When I talk about all of the major companies in the U.S. ultimately being owned by the same players, which behind the scenes, all roads lead back to Europe, to the European monarchs. Having PNC's ownership and giving Merrill Lynch a 49.5% stake in the company, in October 2007, BlackRock acquired the fund of funds business, Puelos Capital Management. All right. The U.S. government, I want y'all to pay attention. We went over this before, but I keep putting this back into content so you can start to understand how the system is really set up Who's ultimately controlling stuff? That's why that saying goes, always follow the money is ever so true. The U.S. government contracted with BlackRock to help resolve the fallout of the financial meltdown of 2008. According, now before I go there, so what caused that financial meltdown of 2008? Do, 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 do. Mortgage-backed securities is a type of asset-backed security which is secured by mortgage or collection of mortgages. The mortgages are aggregated and sold to a group of individuals that securitize or package the loans together in a security investment that can be sold on Wall Street. Who came up with mortgage-backed securities? Oh, wait a minute, Fink. Fink and his team. The Fink that's now head over BlackRock. So the U.S. government contracts with BlackRock to help resolve the fallout of the financial meltdown of 2008. According to Vanity Fair, the financial establishment in Washington and on Wall Street believe BlackRock was the best choice for the job. The Federal Reserve allowed BlackRock to superintend the $130 billion debt settlement of the Bear Stern and AIG. Remember what AIG was? AIG is the insurance company that were covering the bets on derivatives. Those der- derivative bets were saying, we know the financial system is going to fail. 
We know all of these packaging up of these mortgage-backed securities. The mortgage-backed securities were filled with junk mortgage loans that were stamped with credit A rating scores by Moody's when they were really like D's and F's. And then in addition to that, they set up derivatives to place bets on how the mortgage fiasco was going to fail. And guess who insured those bets? AIG. So now who started again? The concept of mortgage-backed securities, the group out of First Boston, which included Fink and his boys, Nim, they created the concept of mortgage-backed securities. But Fink had lost $100 million while he was at First Boston. Fast forward the whole world's economy collapsed based on a housing bubble market. And they're going to tell us that the government contacted BlackRock to resolve the problem and the Fed Reserve allowed BlackRock to negotiate the settlement of Bear Stearns and international American International Group, or AIG, do you all understand the connections? In 2009, BlackRock became the number one asset management worldwide. In April 2009, BlackRock acquired another firm, Capital Management, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, in 2009, Barclays sold its global unit, which included exchange traded and fund business, iShares to BlackRock. Through the deal, Barclays attained a near, what is that, negative 20% stake in BlackRock. I don't understand that negative 20. Maybe y'all didn't mean to put that in there. Y'all need to correct that. Okay, so I hope you all are understanding what is really going on. Okay, so I'm going to try to get through this. Uh, 2013, Fortune listed BlackRock on its annual list of the world's 50 most admired uh, countries. Heck, you might as well call them a country if they are, since they're managing 10 trillion dollars in assets. The economist said that BlackRock's $4 trillion under management, now remember, this is 2014, they had $4 trillion. Under management made it the world's biggest asset manager and it was larger than the world's largest banks. Do you all understand what The Hill was talking about? That it's everything do you all understand that during the 2008 financial crisis, 
that was a worldwide crisis and those banks and the insurance company, the banks and the investment firms and the insurance company AIG had to be bailed out. Do you understand that BlackRock is bigger than all of that? The Industrial and Commercial Bank of China with $3 trillion. Y'all understand that? How big BlackRock is? Uh, okay, so let me see what else. Uh, in 2014, a BlackRock managing director in London was banned by the Financial Conduct Authority for failing to fit and proper test because he paid £43,000 to avoid prosecution for dodging train fares. Child, that's petty as hell. How petty can you be? That ain't smart to me. You mean, child... So again, these folks ain't getting these positions based on their knowledge and skill set. How petty can you be? BlackRock said Jonathan Burroughs left BlackRock earlier this year. What he admitted to the FCA is totally contrary to our values and principles. I bet the heck they are. At the end of 2014, the Sovereign Wealth Fund the Sovereign Wealth Fund Institute is a global corporation and analyzing public asset owners such as sovereign wealth funds and other long-term governmental investments or investors reported that 65% of Black Rock's assets under uh, management were made up of institutional investors. Okay, so let's see what else we want to go with this. Um, okay, let's see if we want this. Um, okay, so you can see in 2017, they bought uh, a stake in CRH and the Bank of Ireland. So as they said in that report in the Hill, BlackRock is across the world. Okay, so let's get down to here. Between October and December of 2018, BlackRock's assets dropped by, yeah, 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 you're seeing the $6 trillion. Um, It was the largest decline quarter since uh, 2011. As of 2019, BlackRock holds 4.81% of Deutsche Bank. Y'all know how big Deutsche Bank is. In 2019, BlackRock received criticism from the environmental impact and holding. Mm, how convenient. How convenient that they receive criticism. Mm, now that's the setup to get them to go into that space because going into companies that are going to base their business practices on the impact on the environment is where the new economy is going, i.e. the reset. It is counted among the top three shareholders in every, I'm sorry, it is counted among the top three shareholders in every 
oil super major except total. Okay, so all of the big oils. Okay, so that's why allegedly and supposedly they were receiving criticism for the environmental impact. So do y'all understand what this means? If we are just leaving out of an oil-based economy, i.e. petrodollar, into natural sustainable economy, do you understand why BlackRock was the top three shareholders in that petrodollar oil-based economy? And how they're going to get out of that space? as they fade out an oil-based economy, going to a sustainable, natural, sustainable economy, and the petrodollar, i.e. the dollar, will be retired and they're going to go digital because that's the financial reset. Hence the point. 2020, in his 2020 annual open letter, CEO Fink announced environmental sustainability, baby. Sustainability is the capability, I'm sorry, the capacity to endure in a relatively ongoing way across various domains of life. In the 21st century, it refers generally to the capacity for Earth's biosphere and human civilization to exist. Sustainability has also been described as a meeting of the needs to uh, present generations. Mm -hmm. So again, going from oil-based economy to environmental, sustainable economy, i.e. the reset, BlackRock disclosed plans to sell $500 million in coal investments. Mm -hmm. They're going to eventually get out of all of it. Okay? With this natural asset companies, that's going to be the excuse to totally get out of oil and coal investment. But make no mistake about it, it has all been planned for hundreds of years. Actually, thousands. Because we are in a new age. The golden age, i.e. the Aquarian age, which is new, energy, and these trillionaires, they operate based on energy. They operate on the calendar of the ages, not a Gregorian calendar. They operate on the calendar of the ages, and they understand that we have left up out of the Pisces age into the Aquarian age slash golden age. Therefore, the economy, the currency, 
the current, the energy must match. In March 2020, the Federal Reserve chose BlackRock to manage two corporate bond buying programs in response to, y'all see it, the pandemic. Wait a minute. So you mean BlackRock got to manage something dealing with the pandemic as well, the, the bond buying program? The $500 billion primary market corporate credit facility and the secondary market corporate credit facility, as well as purchased by the Fed Reserve System of what? Of what? Of what? Commercial mortgage-backed securities guaranteed by huh? Guaranteed by huh? Wait a minute, guaranteed by whom? Government National Mortgage Association? What's that? is a government-owned corporation of the United States federal government with the department of who HUD. So, let's back that up. We are currently in a housing bubble, which is about to burst. So, BlackRock, was managing the bond program as well as purchased by the Federal Reserve System of Commercial Mortgage-Backed Securities. And if this commercial mortgage-backed securities fail, who's going to bail it out? Uh, HUD. What's this Federal National Mortgage Association? Fannie Mae? Um, <clears throat> or... Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. Freddie Mac. <clears throat> Do you all understand what is happening? Those same agencies also hit the bill out the 2008 financial housing crisis as well. So for folks that don't think that we're in a housing bubble yet again, you're sadly mistaken. This is the same blueprint. And we see the same company that's had its hands in the pot both times. Let's continue. In August 2020, BlackRock received approval from the China Security Regulatory Commission to set up a mutual fund business in the country. So y'all think China and the U.S. are enemies? Oh, you do? Oh, okay then. This makes BlackRock the first global asset manager to consent to, I'm sorry, this makes BlackRock the first global asset manager to get consent from China to start operations. Mm -hmm. So let's just look real quick at its um, revenue. 2005, it's saying... Um, 
that's not right. I can't read that right because it should be in billions. Okay, so I'm not going to read that because I know that's not because uh, we know they manage today. Well, I guess you could say revenue, but they manage uh, $10 trillion. Okay, but you can see how their revenue tremendously grew in a short amount time period. Okay, and you can see some of the heavy-hitting organizations that uh, they've bought, okay? So, family, there you have it. BlackRock is the oligarchy, okay? They've been snatching up assets across the world, managing assets to the point that they're up to $10 trillion, and they literally are too big to fail, Right. You see that they've had their hands in the 2008 housing crisis. <laughs> and now they're managing bonds and assets for the commercial mortgage-backed securities that are guaranteed, so meaning if that fund fails, if that security fails, that the federal government would bail it out. BlackRock has also been involved in buying up a bunch of homes during this current housing bubble that we are in and renting out those homes to the American public. Okay. BlackRock will also be involved with this natu uh, natural asset companies because those companies that are going to get the stamp of approval as being natural asset are going to be some of the same companies that BlackRock is already managing. And it will eventually, as it finishes, selling off of its oil-based companies and assets, it will ultimately as well get that stamp of natural asset company as they move from an oil-based economy to natural assets, i.e. the reset. But make no mistake about it. The same folks that were controlling the oil-based economy will be controlling the natural asset or the economy sustainability. Forget the term that they call it. I don't want to lie upon them. Environmental sustainability. That's the reset family. Okay. This is the same company, same group of people, all the way back from the Dutch East Indian days in 1602. Now, of course, I can't prove that. I'm just, you know, my tin foil antennas 
they're going wild because it's the same formula. It's the same exact formula. Okay. So uh, shout out again to Sis Linda. Child, you sent me something, honey. You didn't learnt me something with this natural, uh, natural asset companies. I appreciate you, sis. Now we understand exactly what the playbook is, right? We told you all from an esoteric perspective what they were doing. I told you from a financial perspective what they were doing, if they were going from an oil-based economy. I've been telling you that for at least four years. People that know me personally, I have been telling you that for six years. Here's the proof. That's where we're at that point now. This is the reset. Okay. Shout out to Brother David for putting us on on uh, this um, segment put together by the uh, YouTube channel, The Heal. Great work, The Heal. This is BlackRock Behemoth Surges as almost 20% of households lose all of their savings during the pandemic. So there you have it, family. Okay? BlackRock is an oligarchy. So thank you so much, family. Um, if you're not subscribed to us, I highly encourage you to hit the subscribe button. If you know anyone that's interested and uh, this type of stuff, uh, please share and like the video as well. I appreciate you all very much. I, I wish everyone well on this Thursday. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love, family.